We are, uh, are so thankful that God, God called us to be his missionaries to Santiago, Chile. Um, it has been uh, the adventure of our life. Um, it has been an adventure full of just seeing God's hand work. Um, there's nothing that fills my soul more in this life than just to see God work and know it's him without any question it's him and and it's not me and uh, and he's expressing his love toward me and towards mankind um, but it's been an adventure full of uh, disappointment and discouragements and at times sufferings um, there are, there are times when we we could not imagine ourselves doing anything else and, and frankly feel sorry for you folks because you're not missionaries to Santiago, Chile. Um, but there are those times when we would, we would trade it to be where you were at <laughs> uh, and do just about anything else but to be a missionary. Um, life is kind of that way, isn't it? No matter... What God's called us to do, we, we have those moments that uh, we'd, we'd rather be doing something else. It's the same with missions, folks. Um, about eight months ago, um, I found myself in a, in a, in a bad place. And uh, that place was, I didn't want to be in Chile. I didn't want to be where God had obviously called me to be and uh, that's a problem that's a problem and I recognized that that was a problem and I I asked God to do something for me Uh, we knew that we were coming home in June uh, for about six months of uh, visiting our churches and being with family and I wanted I wanted to go that moment I wanted to wanted to be with the with the family wanted to be home. So I asked God, I said, please, Lord, <laughs> change my heart. Do a, do a work in my heart so that when June rolls around, I won't want to leave. Now, that was asking, asking something really big because I have a two-year-old granddaughter, okay? Uh, but God did that. June came around, and it was through just some different circumstances uh, in the work, uh, God brought some people to encourage us and, and provided a property and just some things that God was obviously doing. We were seeing his hand work uh, after what it seems like a long time without seeing much happen. Um, but God, uh, as he usually does, he uses his word to encourage us. And to change our perspectives of life. And basically this morning, I'm going to preach from a passage I don't think you've ever heard a missionary preach from. It's not a typical missionary passage of Scripture. But it definitely has become a missionary passage to me. Because it's impacted my heart to be able to continue to do missions. And my prayer is that God will use it in your life 
to encourage you just to keep on keeping on where God has you. Whether it's being a mom, being a dad, being faithful in your job, um, serving at some capacity in this local church, um, being faithful in the little things uh, with your eyes on the Lord. So, you have your Bibles. Uh, Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. And in these verses, uh, I see four uh, necessary perspectives of life that we need uh, to be faithful uh, to the end, uh, to our Lord, and follow Him to the end. Uh, The book of Romans, I think, has become my favorite book of the Bible. And I love uh, the mercies of God that I see. When we come to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul, it says he begs us. He begs us, based upon the mercies of God, to just present our our lives in in a complete sacrifice, without anything holding back. Uh, Just a complete commitment to Him and trusting in Him every area of our life. And he says, we we should do that. It's the reasonable thing to do based upon all the mercies that God has given us. And we see in the first three chapters of Romans, His mercy is in the area of dealing with our sin. Uh, And probably the, the verse that just summarized those those passages in, in Romans 3, 9, where he says we, we are all under sin. Oh, folks, under sin. We're under its penalty and its incredible power and dominion over our life that just destroys us, destroys our families, destroys our marriages, destroys our society. And he, humankind, mankind is under sin but God has his provisions for that condition it comes in the in the area of sanctification where God uh, liberates us frees us from that penalty of sin through our our only through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his his merits his sacrifice on the cross and then it, God also provides through His mercy, a solution for that power of sin in our life. It's called sanctification. It's just that process that that God frees us from what destroys us. And then in chapter 8, and beginning in these these passages, He begins to direct our thoughts to our glorification. And that is what He has called us to, eventually to be just completely free from the presence of sin, and, and all the suffering of this world. It's just mercy after mercy after mercy. And uh, it should encourage us to just give ourselves to Him and to His service. Read with me verses 18 through 25. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. The first perspective, folks, that is essential to be a follower of Christ in this life is we need to have a realistic perspective of life. What Paul describes life now with one word, and he describes life to come with one word. The life to come he describes as glory. And we begin to see just a little glimpse of that glory in in Romans 8 and, and following. But he describes this present life with what word? Suffering. Suffering. He says, you just sum it all up, and how do we describe this life? Suffering. Now, we do everything we can to insulate ourselves from that, don't we? But it always, always comes home, always reaches us. There's always some area of suffering that we have to deal with in this life. We need to be realistic about the reality of life in this world. There are three words that he gives us to describe really the effects of the fall of man. And and these three words help us to understand why he describes this present life in terms of suffering. The first one is futility. He says this this whole creation is subject to futility. That, that just means that there is, there is frustration and, and disillusionment in the task that we give ourselves to. Because God has cursed this ground, cursed uh, this world, uh, when we give ourselves to a task, we meet with futility. We plant corn. The purpose is for a harvest, but we reap thorns and thistles. God didn't curse man by giving him work. No, work is a blessing from God. But work that is futile, (laughs) work that you don't see the results that you labor for, now that is suffering. And, and to be honest, folks, there's, there's a lot of life in, in another culture that is just futility. You just deal with futility day in and day out sometimes. It, it, we have a, a, a saying, 
amongst the pessimistic missionaries, and that is life is never easy in Chile. Uh, just before coming home, I had to renew my identification card, something that, you know, should be just be done online and push a button and we're done. But no, we had to go downtown, about an hour and a half from where we live, and decided we're going to go early because I know there's going to be a line there. So we uh, get up about 5 in the morning and go down there, get down there around 7, 7.30 in the morning, and there's a line. Um, but there's two lines. There's one I don't see the end of, and then there's a shorter one. I said, surely the shorter one's for me because this is such a simple thing. And so we go to talk to someone, and he said, yes, that shorter line. But the shorter line is the second uh, lap of a whole city block. I stood in line for seven and a half hours to get to step one. I had to get a little piece of paper. Then I would go on to step two and three. But anyway, futility. Futility. Then he uses the word corruption. Basically what that means, folks, is that everything decays and then it dies. That's this world. These bodies decay, and they die. We have sickness. We suffer physically. Yeah. My father-in-law, probably the last five years of his life, every time I was with him, he repeated the same phrase over and over. He, he, I don't know how many times a day he would say it. And uh, it, was, it was kind of his mantra until the day he died. And, and it was this. He says, growing old is not for sissies. And... Uh, it just was a, some say you, you don't grow old gracefully. You'd like to, but it, it's, a, it's a struggle. But the, the, the reality is that that is life, but the reality also is it has nothing to do with God's love for us or His will for our lives. It doesn't mean I'm out of God's will. It doesn't mean that God loves me less. It's just life. And he talks about the groaning of childbirth. Okay, only some of us have a clue of what that's what it's about. I have a I have a bad joke that I I usually tell when my wife's labor comes up, and uh, it just it just shows how much I don't understand. But uh, I usually say, "Yeah, that was tough. I had to stand up the whole time. You know, it was <laughs> I have no clue. I have no clue." Sometimes life is just a big groan. Hmm. All those doubts flood into our minds. Where is God? Does He love me? Does He care for me? It's just life. It's life in this world. But folks, please, what we can't do is allow that reality make us pessimistic. Of all people, God's children cannot be pessimistic because the next perspective that we see in this passage is a perspective of optimism. Optimism because of the certainties of who we are in Christ and what awaits us. The realities, the future realities that really define 
who we are. See, we're not defined by our momentary sufferings. That's not who we are. Who we are is this eternal being who's going to spend millions and millions and millions and millions of years in a condition, a place of joy, unexpressible, in God's presence. Why in the world would we define ourselves by just a speck, a moment, a fleeting moment of our existence when that's not who we are? If you know Jesus this morning, who you are and who we are is what we are going to enjoy for all eternity together. That defines us. You see, Paul says, for I consider weighing the two, suffering, glory, He says, for I consider. You know what that means? It means that Paul actually took the time to think about those two realities and he came to a conclusion. That's what that word means, consider. And he says, don't even compare. So what does Paul know about suffering and about glory? I think Paul knew more about suffering than we can even imagine. I won't take the time this morning to look at it, but um, just look at the list in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Five times he received 39 lashes. Can you imagine what his back looked like? Paul, God's apostle. Didn't God love him? Didn't God call him? Was he out of God's will? No. I consider, he said, glory. What does Paul know about glory? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, I don't know if I was in this body or in a vision, but I saw paradise. I saw paradise, folks. There's no words. There's no words. I shouldn't even, man shouldn't even express words about that reality. And he said, no, this moment, light affliction doesn't compare. So there should be this optimism as we live life in spite of all of its sufferings, all of its stuff. We rejoice in who we are in Christ Rejoicing always. Yeah, there's reason to rejoice always. He talks about hope. So if we're in hope, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. I want to tell you something about this word hope. In the English, it has this idea of sometimes of, boy, I wish that happens. I, I hope my kids all get the call to come to Chile. You know, I, I'd, I'd like that to happen. But when the scriptures use, when we read the word hope in the scriptures, the original language speaks of a certainty. I mean, this is something you can count on without question. So, what can we count on from God? 
in this life. Scripture talks about him being our rock. Um, Because one of our problems, missionaries, uh, pastors, God's children, we get in trouble when we have expectations of God that he doesn't give us. And it's interesting, every time that word hope is used in reference to our hope in God, you know what it talks about? Hope of glory, hope of salvation, hope of eternal life. What are, what are those things? The future. That's, that's where our expectations are. Not in this life. What we can expect in this life in a fallen world is the things he talks about. Futility, corruption, groaning, suffering. Again, that's not who we are. So we need to have a realistic perspective. We need to be optimistic. And the third thing, we need to have a a perspective of patience. Life requires patience. He says, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. That word translated perseverance, also translated patience in the Bible, is the the Greek word upomone. And it's a compound word. And and it basically means this. Upo means to be under, and mone means to remain, remain under. So what's the idea? The idea is I'm under a burden. And, and patience is to stay there. What we want to do is throw that thing off. We want to run from it. That's not patience. That's not perseverance. Perseverance is being in God's will, whatever the cost, knowing what God wants us to do, and just doing it, maybe just one little step at a time. But I just keep going. I just keep at it. I remain under that burden. I know these, these aren't easy things to do. Uh, in 25 years, uh, I've done everything I could to throw that burden off at different times. But we always have to come back to this reality. That in this life, we face difficult things in God's will, in His love, that requires us just to keep on keeping on. We have just grown in our appreciation for churches like this one and coming back, seeing the same people, serving whatever their capacity, and just keeping at it. It's what makes it all work. Perseverance. Apart from it, God's work doesn't go forward. And then the last thing, and this is the kicker. This is where God examines our hearts. And there's no fooling Him, there's no fooling ourselves can fool others. But we know, and God knows. 
He says, with perseverance, we wait eagerly. Now that word, or that phrase, wait eagerly, comes from a word that uh, is the idea of your neck extended like this. Okay? Anticipating. Waiting. This third perspective is to live anxiously. Kind of seems to be a contradiction to live patiently, but it's not. With perseverance, we live anxiously. What does that mean? Well, my best illustration of this neck extended is when our kids come to visit us. And in the Santiago International Airport, uh, there's a second floor. It's all windows. So you can see the passengers arriving into the baggage claim area. And that's where you'll find Cleta and myself probably a half an hour early uh, with our face against the window. You see them? No, no, I don't see. Anxiously awaiting their arrival. Now, there's no fooling our hearts in, in that area, no, isn't it? It's, we either are anxious about it or we're not. What are we anxious about here in Romans 8? Look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul here is at the end of his race. Um, He has persevered. He has suffered immensely. He has uh, kept the faith. And he's encouraging young Timothy to follow in his footsteps. Verse 5, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship. Just part of it, Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. Evangelism is work, folks. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. Be faithful in it. For I am already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. I don't know what that is. Sounds good. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he judges correctly, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also to all who have loved his appearing. See the connection there between Paul's faithful service and an attitude that was his of loving the appearing of the Lord. To die is gain, he said. Far better to go to be with the Lord than to stay and serve you folks. But I'm going to stay and serve you folks. Because that's his will. But 
Paul maintained this anxiousness to be with the Lord. I tell you, being a missionary, serving God, makes no sense at all apart from that. It loses its purpose very quickly. And this is an area where God tests us. Where's your heart this morning? Are you anxiously awaiting the Lord's return? I've asked my, my kids to have their kids call me granddaddy. I know that makes me look old or sound old, uh, not Papa or, or um, Big James, I don't know, the other names, that, uh, but granddaddy. Why granddaddy? Because I had a granddaddy. And my granddaddy impacted my life for the Lord's sake. He was a man that loved the Lord. We'd go visit them and breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there'd be some scripture reading. Uh, at night, before we go to bed, there'd be time of prayer. We'd be playing games, and he said, time to pray. Oh, granddaddy. And my grandfather always prayed something. He would say, Lord, may my first thoughts in the morning be of you. Not that cup of coffee, but of the Lord. And maybe that's just where we start. Just making a, purposing in our hearts each and every day to begin directing our hearts to Him. And then as someone recently described to me the Christian life as just a continuous prayer to God. Maintaining our contact with Him, our, our relationship with Him, our fellowship with Him throughout the day. How do we evaluate our hearts today? I have a new prayer, and that is, before I go back to Chile, this has become just more and more a reality in my life that I'm sharing with you this morning. I need this. Uh, we need this. We need to be realistic about life, not blame God, not doubt His love for us, maintain an optimism because of who we are in Jesus, persevering in what God's given us to do, just day in and day out, may not seem glamorous. A lot of things on the mission field aren't glamorous. But maintaining our affection for God, that gives us an anxiousness to be with Him. Loving His appearance. Lord bless you.
just want to invite the team to, to come back up. Um, what a powerful message, the, just the relevancy that um, in whatever hemisphere you're in, <laughs> it's the same, the same thing, the same things we need to fix our, our eyes on, the same, the same hope. Um, let me pray for us in just a, more, in just a moment, and then uh, we'll, let's, let's go ahead and stand as we sing this last song. Um, as we go out of here today, uh, don't forget to uh, put any recommendations in the box on your way out. But, but more than that, don't forget where to fix your eyes uh, this week and all the things that, that flood into our lives that can, that can uh, derail us, could drag us down. Um, that, that's what's to be expected in this world. But, uh, but oh, the world to come for those who are followers of Jesus. Uh, let, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your, your great love for us that goes on and on, and the way that you care for us, the way that you walk by our sides through, through difficult times. And Lord, for the, the great hope that is in store for those who love you, for those who, who love uh, the thought of your return and are anticipating that. And so may, may, that, uh, may that thought just stick in our minds as we go out of here this morning. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.